Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, do keep uh, your Bibles open. Turn it to back to Romans 1, and I'll lead us in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for shining the light of your word and work on the world, that we may hear your voice and respond by your work in us. Shine that light on us now as we have heard your word read and as we reflect upon it together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what do you imagine is the most important thing happening in the world right now? Uh, We're daily hearing updates about the war in Ukraine and not without good reason because on top of the human suffering for those who are in the midst of it, it, it has the power to impact the whole world what with fuel prices and the cost of living, but even more so remembering that the world wars of the last century were ignited in this part of the world. And no one wants to see that happen again. Uh, Maybe your thoughts when I asked that question landed on climate change, where the forces of weather we're dealing with are of unmeasurable scale for glaciers to melt and oceans to rise and for us to experience every form of weather more intensely. Maybe you landed when you heard the question closer to home, on events not so much in the public eye. Perhaps for you it's nearing a goal you've been working towards for years or experiencing the joy of being able to take a break from something you worked hard at. Or maybe you find yourself caring for a loved one or even reflecting for yourself as you experience sickness or money stress or a marriage breakup. Others may not see it, uh, may not see what's going on, but these have an enormous impact on us, don't they? And as significant of each of these things going on uh, in the world right now are, and as real as important as they are to us, those readings we've just heard read from Romans 1 and Revelation 19 show us there is something even greater than these, something more important and not bound to one person or group of people or one part of the world. Uh, something more powerful and more important than anything else we can possibly imagine. It is the work of God through the gospel of God, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I hardly expect you to be surprised to hear me say that. (laughs) After all, we've talked before, uh, we are in church Uh, And if we didn't say it, who would? In fact, maybe that's the challenge. Uh, The challenge for us, the challenge for those who don't yet trust Jesus, the message of the gospel, the urgency of it, the necessity of it, the power of it, it doesn't necessarily match people's expectations. Uh, It doesn't stir in them the same sense of urgency or necessity or power as these other things I've mentioned do in them. Now, as David said, at this time of the year and each year we have our vision series. It's an opportunity to look back uh, 
with thankfulness on what God has done among and through us in the year past and likewise an opportunity to pray and dream and look forward to what he might do in the year ahead. Uh, This year we're spreading this vision series over three weeks starting today uh, because it's worth remembering at doing this each year, being clear on exactly what's going on, going on in our church and in our lives as it is in our world. And because of the alternatives that can so easily capture our attention. Because of that, we lift our eyes beyond just ourselves and what we can see, to see God's world and our church and ourselves through his eyes. Now, to do that, uh, beginning today, we're returning to uh, what we heard read in Romans 1, 1 to 17. We're not going to be looking at everything here, mind you, but enough to remind us to lift our hearts and minds to be captured by this great gospel which transforms not only us, but it's powerful enough to transform the whole world. The first thing to notice is that it is God's gospel. Verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. As Paul writes, he's writing as a messenger, as an apostle. His message, his message isn't his own. It isn't something he created. It comes from God. In fact, he calls it the gospel of God because it's the good news of God. And if the powerful and merciful God of all things has a message, a message for us, uh, a message of good news, that's got to be important, doesn't it? Next, in verse 2, not only is it from God, we're told the gospel was promised beforehand. Uh, Why do you think Paul says that? The minister at St Philip's York Street uh, mentioned yesterday on Facebook uh, two conversations he'd had this week, because he's in the CBD and meeting people all the time. Uh, He met two people that he'd had a similar conversation with from the UK Uh, And you need to remember as you hear this, he has the uh, honour of being the minister of the oldest parish uh, in the country, started in 1793. So the first man was a carpenter uh, who told Justin uh, he had worked on buildings in England that were listed in, now Justin said the Magna Carta, but I think it was the Doomsday Book, a thousand years, nearly a thousand years ago. Isn't that extraordinary? Uh, the second said, oh, you know, my first church, he happened to have been a minister in the past, was, as, was old like yours too. It was built in AD 976. <laughs> Justin thought he might have dropped the one off the front. 1976, that's not old. No, no, he corrected him. 976. When something's been around a long time, it gives it weight, doesn't it? It's not some knee-jerk reaction. It, it has deep roots where time and observation brings with it credibility. Important work was done to arrive at this point. And none as great as the work and promises of God in the history of Israel and found for us in his word in the Bible. 
Another extraordinary aspect of this gospel is that it's not impersonal, it's centred on a person. And perhaps <laughs> what's extraordinary to us too is it's not centred on us. Uh, but Jesus, it's centred on him and he is no ordinary person. Reading from verse 3. Uh, this gospel regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Are these four verses of Romans 1, they're such a rich summary of the gospel. If you, if you want to know what the gospel is, if you want to point someone else to what the gospel is, it's hard to do better than these. And the extraordinary nature of Jesus the one who is at the centre of this gospel is that he, he is the promised descendant of King David. He is God's ruler over all, Messiah, King and Christ. He is a king, God promises, who will remain on his throne forever. The king who rules his people for their good and without faith. And Jesus, as the Son of God, he is the inheritor of all God's good purposes and promises. He's the ruler over all things. He's appointed in power, we're told, by his extraordinary resurrection from the dead. Where to serve our deepest need, he needed to overcome death. And only one, as only one who had overcome death himself could overcome it for us. This is the good news of God. This is the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, we don't use that word Lord every day, do we? Can't imagine it's part of your normal conversation uh, around the water cooler or uh, over Zoom or down at the, the Lennox. Uh, even king for us is more a symbolic role uh, than something we have a, a real lived experience of. Uh, it doesn't have much effect on us, uh, although we did, you know, get ourselves a king recently. Uh, it's more something we come across in fantasy films and stories, you know, the, the sort of the historic view of kings in our experience. Though we have heard of kings and rulers like them in other parts of the world and and just how far they can go in misusing the power that comes with their responsibility. How then does Jesus measure up on this scale of kings and lords and rulers? How does he wield his authority? Well, turn down with me to verses 16 and 17, and we read, this is what Jesus has done and is doing. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. God is powerful. And he wonderfully uses his power to save us. 
Now, I don't know whether you noticed, uh, during, if you watched the uh, Queen's funeral, the Archbishop of Canterbury uh, spoke, and when he was speaking, he mentioned something called, he called the merciful judgment of God. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what he means by that. It's not a phrase that I would use myself, uh, because what we're seeing here is uh, there's a danger in using that phrase of just mixing two things together that are both true and not seeing each as clearly as we should. Uh, The message of Romans is that God judges all who turn away from him and reject his rule. It also shows us how extraordinary God is, how great is his power, that he can save everyone who believes in the gospel. The emphasis could be on everyone, but really also it's got to be on anyone. We didn't have a chance to read on from verse 17, but where uh, 1 to 17 start out with God's solution, which is a good way to begin a letter, isn't it, when you're introducing yourself to people. Uh, Verse 18 and into the next chapters actually highlight the problem, the problem uh, where the problem is us, Uh, that every single human who ever lived, the problem is us. Without God's intervention, we will suppress the truth about God and live as if uh, we are our own God uh, and we deserve the wrath of God. I've done it. You've done it. Everybody's done it. Except one. Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so he is the way God can be judge and be merciful and at the same time be doing what is right according to his character and ours as we've been made in his image. It's such an incredible gift, this good news, that we couldn't hope to receive it any other way than by faith. Verse 16 again, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The good news about Jesus is good news for all people, of all nations. No one group has a stranglehold on receiving or experiencing this power, the forgiveness of God, an end to shame and guilt for sin. The Jews certainly had a special place in God's plans, but we as the nations of the world, that's what Gentiles are, uh, this is a gift from God to everyone who believes. Which you've got to say is monumental, don't you think? It's one of the extraordinary ways God is, is different from us, the way in which he doesn't pick and choose, but wonderfully offers this. So all may receive it, particularly when you reflect on what we're like. For all the times in life we've experienced, some are privileged while others are excluded. For all the times given an an advantage ourselves, we try and keep it to ourselves and treat other people poorly. God offers every single one of us 
salvation before him, life through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, what's going on in the world at the moment is lives are being saved. People are being rescued. This is Bondi rescue on the global scale. So many of us here today have experienced this good news ourselves and trusted it and depend on Jesus. The most important thing happening in the world right now is this. And it doesn't appear the way you might have imagined it would appear, the way others would expect it to appear, uh, the way in which trusting and depending upon God is actually going against the tide instead of mainstream, uh, the, the real possibility of mockery and marginalisation and shame you can receive for trusting this. But we need to not be ashamed of the gospel. As we with Paul uh, can set aside self-interest and offer the world the same message in the interest of others. Uh, Let me ask you, um, here's a question, what's the biggest crowd you've ever been in? I tried doing this once before and I'm going to try it a different way. Uh, Has anyone ever been in a crowd bigger than 10,000 people? You can put your hands up. Yep. 50,000, 100,000, 500,000, we're out at that point. You know what it's like, that experience of being in a big crowd. Let me just take something that's close to our hearts at the moment. The NRL final two weeks ago, 50,000 plus people together. And I, I heard from people who were there uh, the incredible roar that went up in the stadium as the players came out into the field. Did you hear about that? There's this and this. You've heard about it now. Next time you can answer. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Well, when you think about the vision of heaven from Revelation 19 that John shared with us, as John hears the voices of all those gathered by God, so many voices, what is the picture of the number of people who are there gathered as John describes their, their voices as the roar of a multitude? like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder. What he's telling us is so many people are there from all across the world praising God together for such a great salvation and this is where we too are headed and will join them as we trust in and belong to Jesus. Now, as we look back at the year that is past and the year ahead, it's this gospel, God's power to transform the world, which has transformed us and gathered us, all of us who believe. And now we may hold it out uh, to those still in need of transformation. And the same gospel which makes us followers or disciples of Jesus it grows us as we live as disciples of Jesus. Uh, it's, a very, uh, it's a very handy gospel that it can do all these things all at once. Uh, but God has given us each other, likewise, to play our part in his great plans. And, and as we look back on the year that's passed, it's not without 
recognising that there have been difficulties. Uh, this time last year, we were only just easing out of the second COVID lockdown and with the seriousness of COVID and the uh, effects of it, the lockdowns uh, and what we had to do to make all of that happen, they've taken their toll on people, haven't they? Yeah. Impacting people's energy, their anxiety, uh, our life together as a church. And yet despite all that has happened, uh, in the midst of all that has happened, God has still been at work. His gospel is powerful and he is still transforming lives through the Lord Jesus. He is still producing in and among us what we read in verse 5 is the obedience that comes from faith. That's what we who are ruled do to the one who rules over us. And so we've had the opportunity to hear over the last 12 months stories uh, through our Transform Lives uh, times here in church or our mission updates and other occasions, wonderful stories about real people, people like us, people who are us, like that of Matt who joined the kids' church team, who who shared how he was so encouraged to see our children building relationships with one another, loving one another out of the love with which God had loved them and growing deeper in knowing him and that love. And we've heard stories from the Blue Room, the Blue Room on a Friday night in through the Blue Door, that's where it gets the name, the Blue Room, uh, who told of how they prepared uh, their stories of God working in their lives in order to serve others in the group to grow in knowing and serving him. And we've heard of the number of parents and carers who really appreciate the love expressed through Jump and Jive on a Wednesday morning, both in running it and relating through it. Even some who've gone on uh, to share with us in Christianity Explored as well. And we've heard of the story of uh, older women and younger women meeting up to read God's word and encourage one another from their different perspectives and but that out of their common desire to grow in living the life of obedience that comes through faith. We have much to be thankful for. How might we see lives transformed in the year ahead? Those of us who are here, those who are not here yet, in so many ways, what we'll do in the year ahead will be the same as what we've been doing. We'll continue to proclaim the gospel in the same way that as we have done. We'll continue uh, to proclaim it to those who don't know it yet as well as those of us who do. And we expect David mentioned this as he began, didn't we? We are expectant to see God's power, making disciples and growing disciples. As we do some of the uh, think uh, about what's helpful for people and, and use the pathway not unlike this one that's outlined in our vision booklet, connecting with people through acts of love, uh, like Jump and Jive and the Fresh Food Pantry we'll hear about, and we'd love to invigorate the just moved in welcome uh, and gift uh, that we did as a simple way of expressing care and concern for people moving into the area. 
And we'll keep evangelising too, because all that word means is good newsing people. Uh, good newsing them with the good news of the gospel, inviting them to join us in the belief and obedience that comes through faith. Uh, and we'll keep growth grouping, and we'll keep Sunday churching. And we could talk about each of these uh, steps along the pathway in detail. We've done that before. We won't do that now today, but we will expand on them over the coming weeks. But do notice the pathway, how each leads into the other. Now, this isn't a fixed thing, but it's a sort of a general flow because, of course, you can come back round and see how one feeds into another, a bit like putting it as a circle. And even then, it doesn't have to be neat, but it is the way we think about how do we love people that we have the opportunity to love here in the Nepean Valley and Lower Mountains and beyond. I think we should uh, burn that or the previous one onto our brains uh, so that we can use it to serve others and serve together as a church uh, so that we can see other people take next steps in the obedience that comes through faith. There are lots of significant and important things going on in the world right now that affect many people. But this is the one above all that can transform not only individuals but the world. Jesus appointed the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. God hasn't kept it a secret what he's doing in the world right now and he gives us the privilege of taking our part in his mission and ministry. Can you get excited about that? Can you get excited about that? Can you get excited about our work together, seeing lives transformed through Jesus? Even if you or I are not here in five or 10 or 25 years, what legacy are we going to leave as disciples as a church, in recognition that this is what matters most to every person, whether they're aware of it or not. Will you partner together? Will you partner together? Yes, excellent. Partnership means choosing priorities, uh, prioritising our life together our service in God's gospel, our time, which is so precious to us. And will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? Yes. Pray that God will enable us to see the opportunities before us and he will work to meet them through us, that we may continue to have the joy of seeing lives transformed through Jesus. Let's pray together now. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for your extraordinary uh, power expressed in the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Give us eyes and hearts and minds, we pray, uh, to see again afresh 
uh, just how extraordinary it is that you, the ruler and judge, the creator, should also exercise such incredible mercy that we might belong to you through Jesus. We pray, Heavenly Father, that in our life together, you would help us to see the opportunities we have to serve each other, to serve others, to serve the world as we live lives that have been transformed by you. Work in us as a church, we pray, here and beyond, in the days and year ahead, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.